celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome. Today we have Anan Bridget. He is a three times NCAA All American D1 track and field athlete, breaking many records and setting new ones in his career. He recently graduated his master's in financial analysis and he is currently interning as an advisory consultant at Lord Abbott and Cut. That's not it. He is a distinguished scholar. He's a member of the Honor Society and was a regular name on the Dean's List at Rutgers University. He's represented his college. He became not only a three times first team NCAA D1 All-American, but also a two-time individual Big Ten champion and named Athlete of the Year twice. As he embraces each chapter of life, both professionally and athletically, doing so with great pride and resilience, overcoming injury and adversity. It's so exciting to welcome you, Anand, to Tall Poppy Talk. Where and how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was so excited when you reached out and told me I was going to be able to like come on the show. And I mean, I know it was a little bit tough with scheduling, but I'm just excited to be here. Uh, you got you did a great job building me up. I'm hoping I can like live up to it and like, this little conversation we had. So thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is seriously all mine. And one of your many traits is the fact that you were willing to jump through whatever schedule issues I was giving <laughs> you. So I appreciate your patience. And I did just give you a massive intro. And I know you because fellow Rutgers alum, we had some crossover. And I know the reputation that is Anan. But I'm going to step back for a second and ask, like, not just the athletic, not just the academic, how would you define yourself if the word athlete was excluded? Ooh, okay, that's a good question. Uh, uh, I would say I think the biggest thing that I would probably describe myself is, like, really disciplined um, and, like, just committed. Um, like, one of the biggest things my dad always taught me, like, just my parents as a whole is just, if you really want something like you really going to, you have to like work to get it. And that takes discipline. So, I mean, there's like a lot of sacrifice that just goes with it and everything that I've ever achieved um, up until this point in my life is just come through discipline and consistency. Um, and most importantly, also God, but yeah, it's just been about the importance of having discipline and just continuing, continuing it. I would say. I love that. And the strength Obviously, you have a lot of faith. When times are getting maybe tough, I spoke about injury, the need for resilience. Is that something for you, your faith, your family that keep you disciplined, even when sometimes it feels like things are getting a little bit unhinged? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my family, my friends, um, God have just been like a, a complete lifeline for me. Um, you didn't mention in my intro, but like I think may not, I don't think, but may. 23rd, I had surgery for the first time. Um, I completely tore my hamstring tendon right off the bone um, and had surgery on May 23rd. Started my internship June 23rd and I'm still through like the recovery process. They said I should have a complete turnaround, hopefully like November to December. Um, and just throughout this entire journey, um, leading up to the surgery and afterwards has just been um, honestly a testimony of just having that relationship with God, my family, and just my friends. So it's, it's been crucial to everything I've done before. Uh, but especially right now, I've been definitely leaning on the meat, like this time of need. Yeah, the injury, I read about it and I was like, 
oh, do I even bring it up? Because I didn't know there was no update on where you were standing at the minute. And I had another guest, uh, Jade Coates, she plays rugby for Fiji. And her phrase, she mantra that got her through is like, the comeback's greater than the setback. And I love love that, that. right? It's like, okay, and that just kept her steady and going. I do have to ask, so the injury, how did that happen? Like tendon coming right off, when and where were you when that happened? (laughs) Um, So honestly, this year, this past year has been a crazy year. Crazy year, I would say. Like that would just be the one word I would define it as crazy. Um, so I just was kind of banged up pretty much this entire year, and I was pulled my hamstring earlier on in the year uh, during my indoor season, and I sat out for the entire indoor season. I came back slowly, and during that recovery process, I started noticing like weird things in my body. I'm like, this is not supposed to feel like this. Uh, my my leg was kind of like extremely tight, and, like felt clicking. Um, so we had our my coach was like trying to rest me here and there but I mean when it was all said and done like it was kind of completely on me trying to like like, just get back out there um I had a meet at Rutgers like our our very only our only home because as you know track and field is never really on campus um so I had a home meet and I'm on the four by one and we're trying to get a qualifying time for a national and I take three steps out the blocks and all of a sudden I feel like a pop on my hamstring and I'm just oh my gosh like I walk off uh, my trainer looks at it and she's like no it doesn't look too good um and I get the MRI back and I found out I completely tore it um it was it was really weird because the thing about like a complete tear is like you don't after the initial injury like you don't feel anything like it just I felt like I was walking normally I could stretch I could like jump like it was completely fine in my eyes and then the MRI came back and he's like yeah like it's gone you have no leg pretty much so yeah that is wild I don't know if maybe it's a combination of insane pain tolerance or the fact that oh no 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 I know when I'm my sister unfortunately tore her ACL and it was the same thing like once it was torn she, she was actually good she ended up getting surgery too but like when it tears once it's off you're like oh I feel like I can walk around and do things like I'm fine no <laughs> yeah it's it, it gives you like a false sense of like that you're okay. Absolutely. Like I was like, my coach had me like train a little bit like a week later just to see where my body was at. And I was like, okay, like coach, like I think I can like go back into all of it. And no, the, the MRI was extremely humbling. I had it, it sat me down the, the entire time. So yeah. yeah. You seem like someone who needed like a hard yes or no. Like if there hadn't been black or white, if there had been like, oh, maybe you would have been at it again. Oh so. my, absolutely. Absolutely. That MRI is, a, again, a blessing because it forced you to be like, I can't argue with that. My tendon is off my bone. Oh, gnarly. Okay. It, so sound, that, it sounds worse than what it actually was. It the surgery itself, though, that was that was what, like, hurt. Like, the actual injury, like, I was, I was jogging. I was, like, going on, like, little runs and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But the surgery, that was The surgery, oh, my gosh. It was, I was drugged up. Uh, my mom recorded like I don't know how many videos of me just saying straight buffoonery. Um, it was it was bad. I called my friends and like they're like, "Anali, like, what were you even saying? Like you you weren't even coherent." So it was that part was bad. The the two to three weeks that followed were like terrible. Um, but now I'm kind of like walking around a little bit more. Uh, I have my brace here and there, but it's been it's been going uh really well the recovery process. 
all that good energy we can send your way. Um, thank you. Thank you. I know we spoke about you went straight from like injury surgery into then like your interning, but I want to kind of double click a little bit on the athletic journey. That's what the past year has looked like, but especially a lot of my listeners come from New Zealand. They might not fully understand how one gets to be a three-time NCAA D1 All-American. So can you talk me through your athletic journey from like, honestly, when you started competing and why you chose track and field and how it like got you here? Okay. I hope this is a good story. Um, So I started when I was like really young, like, like most kids, like I just like played as many sports as I could. I played baseball. Um, I played football. Football was like my main love. Um, I played for like nine to 10 years and my parents like stopped me from playing. Uh, they saw the, the movie concussion and then they started giving the data like, and I'm, you're done playing. We're, we're going to sit you down. Um, so then I had to like make a, a life change and I was like, okay, like what other sports can I do? I started playing basketball like a little too late. So I was terrible, terrible. Um, I was coming off the bench on the freshman team. I was like, okay, like, no, like we're not, our hoop dreams are going to be very short lived. You're not, this is your cap right here. Like this is your probably your athletic peak within the world of basketball. Um, so I started focusing on track. Uh, when I started focusing on track, like I wasn't honestly that good. Uh, my freshman year in high school, like it was a little, little rough. And then I don't know what happened. My sophomore year, I just like shot up the ranks and uh, started like making a lot of improvements. And then my junior, senior year kind of followed. I became like the state champ in high jump and long jump, uh, which is kind of where I got like my, my focus within like, like the jumping events. Um, and then during the recruiting process, I don't know how it is for rowing, but for like track and field, it's kind of like all over the place. I know it's changed a little bit now. Um, but coaches hit you up like junior and senior year. Um, and I guess during that time, I wasn't getting like the calls that I wanted to get. Uh, a lot of schools are like D2, D3. Like the D2 and D3 coaches, when they reach out, like they really want you. Like I was getting like personal handwritten notes and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so cool. Um, but I wasn't getting like the looks I wanted. So my senior year, my dad and I, like we really sat down and like try to map out how the year should go. Um, and I had an amazing year. I was like the state champion high jump and long jump, like I said. And I uh, got recruited from Rutgers. Uh, came on campus, loved the campus. Um, loved the coach. Everybody was like extremely energetic. And I ended up signing my my NIL, my NLI, like pretty much like a week afterwards. Um, came into Rutgers and my freshman year it was it was good. Um, I made like the US U20 team. Um, and like that was extremely exciting. My first time like overseas competing, meeting people from um just throughout the entire country who were like young and just had these same aspirations that I did. Um and I mean, I guess fast forward, because I don't want to make this door too, too long, but fast forward, uh, my sophomore and junior year, I had like good athletic success. And the way you become an NCAA All-American in track and field is like, I guess like pretty straightforward, but kind of like weird, more or less. Indoors is different than outdoors. So the way indoors works is if you're like top 16 in the country um, for your individual event, you get invited to the NCAA track and field championships. And like that is in different locations. Sometimes it's in Alabama, sometimes in New Mexico. At NCAA championships indoors, if you place top eight in the entire country, um, excuse me, my fault. <laughs> if you place top eight in the entire country, then you're considered an All-American. And I placed fourth, I think. Yeah, fourth. Um, so I was fourth in the country. 
Um, that was how indoors worked. Outdoors is like a, a little bit more longer of a process. Um, they have regions, so they separate the like the United States from the east to the west. Um, and how it works is if you're top 48 in your region for your specific event, you can invite it to NCAA regionals. Um, and if you place, I think, top 12 in your region, then you go to NCAA outdoor championships. Um, so, yeah, you, you get top 12, then you go to NCAAs. So NCAA outdoor track and field championships is the top 12 from the west and top 12 from the east. Um, and then they compete. And then if you place highly in the top eight, you become uh, an All-American. So I think I got like fifth there or whatever. I think it was fifth. I'm not sure. I think it was fifth. Um, it might have been sixth. It might have been sixth. I might be a little bit sad about that. It was sixth place. Um, so that's how I became an All-American outdoors. Um, and then last year, um, I had a really good year. Like I was extremely excited about it. Um, I got top five at USA Track and Field Championships. So uh, that was fifth place. I know that one was fifth. Um, yep. My mom, my parents were so happy. Uh, my coach was like making the videos and taking pictures. Um, so the way that one works is um, this is like the entire country. So like professionals, former Olympians, Olympians, um, people who rep the Nike and Adidas gear, you compete against everybody who's like top 20 in the country uh, of pros, amateurs, collegiates, high schoolers. And if you get top three, you make the world championship team. Um, if you get top eight, you get some money and all of this and that. Um, but pretty much after that, I think you're like ranked in like the country. So I ended up getting fifth um, against like the Olympians and some of the collegians and stuff like that. So like, that was my biggest flex. That's how I ended the year last year. And then this past year, I was a little banged up. So it wasn't the same story, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Like that is insane. And I'm like, there's so many things I want to dive in to on that. One, you compete all the time. Like that's what I remember track oh. and field is, constant and it's not just like in rowing it's one race you guys are doing this and then you're jumping and then you're doing the relay like just major kudos and I'm glad that people celebrated with you that you took a moment amongst all that chaos to appreciate like far out this is epic and being amongst like all those people were you intimidated or were you just focused on your race like I would be so distracted by the Olympians <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the first time I jumped, so I have like six jumps. Well, you have three jumps in prelims and three jumps in finals if you make it. Um, my very first jump in um prelims, like I was like looking around and it's like literally people who are in the Olympic team like the past year. So Javon Harrison, uh Marquise Dendy, um, who are like representing the United States, and I'm like kind of a little bit in awe. I'm like, yo, like, am I supposed to be here? Like all of those things, that imposter syndrome starts coming in. And my first jump was like terrible. That was like like a high school jump for me. And my coach was like, nah, you got to get your head in the game. You got to get your head. And then everything started clicking for me. And then I kind of like blocked everything out. And I was really in that moment. Um, the really special thing about USA's and NCAA's is that it's hosted in Eugene, Oregon, which is considered Track Town USA. So, I mean, I don't know how the viewers know know where Rutgers is but Rutgers is on the east the very far east of the United States so Oregon's like super west so it's like a I want to say like a five to six hour flight so like you feel every bit of it um and like it's just a completely different like culture completely different 
state. It doesn't even feel like it's the United States, honestly, because like track and field, track and field gets so much love there. So there was, I think, a mixture of the gravity of the meet as well as like just the location, and that definitely got to me in the first jump. But after that, I was able to kind of like tune everything out and kind of get back into what I was doing like the entire year, which was just jumping. So yeah, like the ability to hone back in just having one kind of off jump that's pretty impressive because of that the gravity the magnitude everyone around I know it's track town USA and excellent point like saying how far away they are because that's a massive flight I think people think you know America oh it's like the same country but they're worlds (laughs) apart and being involved in an environment where like everyone's hype on track and field must have been so cool like that's just a whole village of like-minded people is so cool yeah it's a a rarity in the united states too like i don't like i mean it's not as big as like the footballs and the basketballs and stuff like that so it was definitely something that was like super super weird um and then also i think it was a combination of that and that looked that was like my very last minute of the season so like you said track and field's like an extremely long season i think we start training pretty much I would say we start preseason like officially with the team in September, but you're training on your own in July. And if you have a very good season, you don't finish until like June or July. So like you have pretty much maybe if you're lucky a month off and then you're going back into it. So like it was just a culmination of just wanting to kind of be done with the year and then just excitement, like you said. So yeah, the rowing season I know for NCAA is like we didn't finish until like May 31st most of the time like it's same with like track field it's like at the very end past school so your exams are done everyone else is done especially if you're a senior or like a grad student all your friends are going off to do like whatever summer adventures but that's the um not that it's a drawback at all it's just a part of doing a sport that's year-round you get all those cool things but you have to be training year-round because if you don't then when it comes time for preseason or getting back into it, like you're so far behind where you could be. So how do you like, when you have that month off, what would you do? Like, would you do no exercise? Would you do a little bit? Like, what did that look like? Ah, that, that month off is pretty dangerous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I'm eating complete junk food. Like I'm like Ben and Jerry's, Cinnabon, Auntie Anne's, like, every day like there if i if they were like giving rewards like my my thing would be punched in a week um um going out with my friends a lot just like staying up and like just enjoying like being young because i feel like when you're an athlete especially like a division one division one athlete like you don't have a lot of the same opportunities to kind of like really enjoy college life and like the nightlife so i try to it's probably extremely unhealthy I try to get all of that in in one month and then get back into like just being like an athlete again. But like that, that one month is, is definitely crazy. I would say it's wild. It's necessary though, because you oversaturate yourself. And then by the end of the month, you're probably like, I I'm so good. I don't want to yeah. go near anything. Let me get back into it. And then you're uh, craving to get back into the routine, which is, good the the break is definitely necessary I know for rowing at college at least 
like the internationals or the people who are going for the national teams, they go all summer. Um, I would always get like two, two and a half, three months off, but you can't be off. But you do want to explore some of those things that you feel like as an athlete, you don't always get. And especially you, I'm amazed hearing this because I know your academic success and your extracurriculars, like the things you do with SAC, the things you do with, um, which is student athletic advisory committee advisory committee yeah (laughs) former vice president right here right yeah um no and you're so involved in that so when I'm hearing and like looking at everything you've accomplished athletically I'm like how did you have time and the travel like how do you balance everything then and still now with your internship as well um I have an amazing agenda I would say um like just time management like I'm sure you can test like time management for like student athletes is something that I think we all kind of have as a strength so just being able to block out times where you can like be efficient and be the most productive view you can be during like an hour two three hours so you can like knock out some homework or knock out a practice and like shift to the next thing and then also I think what's really big for me was like meditation um I meditate like almost Every, every day I would say like every single day I meditate awesome. uh, it's like the first thing I do up when I wake up and like that just allows me one to be like aware of where my attention is going as well as like be in the moment so like when I'm at practice like I'm fully immersed in in practicing and getting better when I'm at, when I'm at SAC or when I'm in class like I'm fully immersed in like the lesson plan so like I think that's definitely been something that's been very very big in like just my overall growth and my ability to like navigate different like fields of like life, I would say. Um, I don't know, like what 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 would you say like kind of helps with it? Yeah, you're the meditating is not something I would. I always think like, yeah, I'll do that, and then I don't. But hearing you in your presence, like the ability to be so present, I'm only ever really like that when I'm interviewing or talking to someone, and otherwise, like I would find myself wondering in my mind like oh what do I need to do next so hearing you say that I'm like oh that's a good skill I could opt into I think for me in general with managing everything like planning ahead like a Sunday I like to plan what's happening in my week what's coming up like when I think I might need rest allocated and things and then I think I'm terrible at this I know I'm better if I get a lot of sleep but if something needs to go I'm always like I don't need as much sleep. And then that comes back and gets you like, I can be fine for two or three days with little. And then you're like, no, I need to prioritize my sleep and my rest. So that, like you said, when you have a block of time, you can be really effective and like execute everything you want to do and not dilly dally, so to speak, put the phone down and actually focus on what's at hand. That's crazy though, that you were like, kind of like sacrificing your sleep. Cause I know the rowing schedule is like super, super intense. Like you guys have, the hardest practice block on Rutgers campus, like hands down. Well, so thank like, you. I don't know how you're how you're doing that with like limited sleep. Like that is that is a gift right there. You should that is a flex. Thank you. And um, something I want to know is you touched upon it before with imposter syndrome, and so I need to explain a little bit this concept of tall poppy syndrome. It's really like prevalent prevalent in New Zealand, Australia, sometimes in England. And it's this idea that there's like a field of poppies, flowers. And when one rises above, we in New Zealand would like 
cut them down. So we might do it to each other, do it to ourselves. But as soon as you feel like, oh, you're getting some success, you feel that need to bring yourself back down to the rest of the group. And what's not so great is in New Zealand and Australia, we tend to do it to other people. Like if we see others growing, we're like, oh, well, you might be doing great at track and field, but how are your grades? Like we feel the need to bring people back down to where we are. And I, America just don't seem to do it, which is why I wanted to create the podcast to address it. It's like, it's, you're a great example of someone who can just be super proud of yourself, of other people and like endorse everyone and encourage everyone. So tall poppy syndrome is not something I experience in the US, but imposter syndrome is, and that's kind of more internal. So if you're comfortable, I wanted to ask like, have you experienced imposter syndrome and how have you kind of dealt with it? Um, I mean, I guess I can hit on both actually. Like the tall poppy, I know it doesn't really exist that much in the United States, like you were saying. Um, but also imposter syndrome being extremely prevalent. Um, one of the things that I think really helps me one, um, cheer people on who are who are like winning and like doing their stuff, as well as kind of reflect on myself and say like, and I'm like, you're you're supposed to be here. Like this is your space as well. Um, has just no like, I say like this thing like my story is my story, like truthfully. Um, and I feel like a lot of times like I would when I was when I would be going through like trials and tribulations and stuff like that in the sense of trials and tribulations, like for whatever, um, I would kind of like look at another person's life and say like, well, they're doing this, this and that. And like, they're successful and I'm not like, why, like, why is this not happening? And I would feel that like, it would feel like a weight on my shoulders. And I just kind of like, really, I don't know what happened. I, I was thinking I was like talking to like one of my friends and it's just like, our journey is like unique to ourselves. Like it's not supposed to look like anybody else's. Like it may look very similar, but like at the end of the day, like two books by like two Harry Potter books. Yeah, they're two Harry Potter books, but like they're completely different stories between the beginning, the middle, and the end, you know? So like just realizing that like your story is unique into itself and the things you experience, um, the 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 achievements you have and like the I guess the the trials you go through are completely unique to you. So like just realizing that and just like not trying to compare because like comparison truly, I fully believe is a thief of joy. Um, so I think just realizing that being able to step back and like realize like, okay, like this is my story. Like I don't, like the book belongs there, you know, the book belongs on the show at the end of the day. So like, why do you, you're still a book like why do you why do you like you can't view yourself as though like you're not a book you don't belong here like let me like like let me toss you up as though it's like imposter syndrome more or less and then like in terms of like kind of that jealousy and envy that exists when other people that you know personally are like experiencing ups um it's just like your story is contained in the pages of your own book you know so like they're like you could be like the second or third Harry Potter book, but like that doesn't mean the fourth and fifth ones aren't good, you know? So like that's just kind of like how like I look at it and how I've like come to like see the world. It's just really one focusing on myself and like appreciating other people's accomplishments. Cause like there are people are truly amazing out here. Like the fact that you're on this podcast, the fact that your experience, you know, is like extremely unique. And like you should be celebrated for it at the same token. So like I think it's extremely important to like, just know that like, 
I don't want to like break down like life as simple as like a book, but like that's just I think what has definitely helped me and like just navigating imposter syndrome, focusing on the words in my story, um, and then celebrating other people's is just like admiring like a good writer, a good book. So yeah, I hope that kind of like touched on. Oh my gosh, that's so refreshing, and I'm like, I wish I could bottle that energy and that just beautiful optimism and happiness you have because as you were talking I was just smiling because I'm like oh my gosh you have your head screwed on so right and it's probably a culmination of your family your friends your coaches but it's genuinely so refreshing and of all your accomplishments I think your attitude's probably the thing you should be most proud of because it's actually insane and it's really inspiring hearing you talk because I'm like Wow, that also the analogy about the Harry Potter books, spot on. Um, I I think that if more well, people kind of saw it like that, like, yeah, we all have our own story and also we all have our own timeline. Like you can't compare yourself. Sometimes it's easy, like if you're in sports and there's a lot of variables which are the same, in particular like rowing or track or jumping, like if we look at it in that sense, it's like, oh, well, we're dealing maybe with the same environment, but we're not because we all bring our own traits we all bring our own quirks we have our things that got us there and the next thing we're gonna do even if in the moment it feels like it's a direct comparison it's not because we all have our own journeys and ways we got there so I love that I think that that's just yeah refreshing is the word because not a lot of people view things the way you do yeah well thank you thank you like I, I forget like my friend we we're like talking about it and, like this it kind of like just made sense and like that's kind of where I think has definitely helped me the most. It, I was not always like this at all. Like it's just a lot of like reflection and just talking with people. So I, yeah. I thank you. Thank you for that. Was kind of word. Of course, yeah. talking with people is like even now as we're talking, you don't know you really think something until you start saying it and you start kind of rambling or letting your thoughts come out. And then when they land, the way someone else interprets it, they'll point something out to you that you didn't even think of like how your friend was like you know you're on your own journey you have your own like your story is your story how we got here um you you need to have dialogue and communication that's why I love the podcast format because people can listen they don't have to engage in talking but it's like they're a little fly on the wall getting to listen to you and I talk and hopefully learn something or self-reflect throughout the process which is really cool and special I think about podcasting and learning from others in that way it's really cool yeah I mean it's great that you're doing like I mean like exactly what you said like for the people to have the ability to just kind of like sit in on, on a conversation and people yeah. just being real and being able to just I don't know it's 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 something extremely special and I'm, I'm so glad like technology has come along for like stuff like this to happen like it's amazing it seriously is and having friends too like again I bring up Tanisha because she's a mutual friend we have <laughs> we uh technically like we would be competing when we were rowing right because we played we had like the same position there's not many positions it's left or right um and we were both on the right side but there was never that comparison it was just like collaboration and working together and her successes felt like my successes and when you can spread that out amongst the team it's really cool and um I, I kind of I only have one more like question I really had for you and then whatever you feel like saying but something that amazes me is you are so level-headed and calm 
but you're also wildly competitive. So I was thinking <laughs> about like, as you compete, and especially when you're getting into like, I call it quotation marks, the real world of working as well. Um, how does your competitive spirit like interact in and out of sports? Because I know you have it, but right now it feels like a little bit subdued. Um, I don't know. Um, I feel like it's just always, always there. Like I, I don't know. Like yeah, like I said the thing about the books, but like the thing is, like I always just want to be the best, like the best version of myself. And like I mean, like I always compete with myself, you know. So like it's just if I know somebody else is able to do something, I'm like one. I know I can do that. But then it's like like in the the same breath, like I'm like I know I can do it better. Like, like that's kind of how like, I approach every single thing like I've ever done. And it's probably extremely unhealthy because like the amount of time I sweat with like extremely little things. Like it's weird, but like, like when people walk, like I just, I have to walk faster. It's just like, it's like the littlest things. Um, So it's kind of very weird to kind of like do it in, in different settings. Like you said, like academics and like sport and within like the workplace. Um. And I don't know, right now I have an internship, like you said, and the 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 environment and the culture of the internship with Lori Abbott is extremely like competitive. Like it's exa exactly like me. So like, they like kind of, I don't know. I don't know if like, if you believe like type A, type B, whatever personalities, but like, that's what they say. Like they have like type A personalities. Everybody's competing with one another. Um, So it's like a great place for me, truthfully, truthfully. Um, But like, it just never, it never leaves like, my main my biggest motivation is just being like the best and like that's just always what i put in like the back and the front of my mind it's just like how can i do it like better how can i do it better like even if i do something good like how can i do it great and if i do it great like how can i how can i do it perfectly so uh with school like that's just how i am um thankfully i don't know if you know this but i am going back to school for another year for my sixth year um yeah so because of like the surgery and the injury, um, I have like the sixth year and I'm getting a master's in public health and uh, biostatistics. Um, okay, that's so cool. Awesome. Yeah, but like, thank you, thank you. Um, but like, it's just about like, one, being the best and just being a very complete person. Like, I feel like you can, you can have success in one area, but like, if you don't have success in other areas, like you're, you're lacking something. And I think it's, my parents have always made it very important to be like well-rounded um and i guess that's what i'm trying to do in this thing we call life i really don't know maybe i'm just extremely confused and just trying to figure out something to pass time but like i don't know like i think i think that's it, I I, that's it. I yeah i think you're definitely <laughs> doing a lot of things right and the well-roundedness is huge because um i had a sports psychologist on and we talked about identity and athletes often if they only identify with their athletics then if they're not performing or if they're injured, it crushes them because they don't have another element of them. So it's like, oh, if I'm failing or well, not failing, if I'm not performing athletically, is that my whole identity? Whereas you like with your internship, being well-rounded, having your academics and your friends and that whole thing, it kind of takes the, not the pressure off, but it takes the, um, yeah, maybe the pressure, the weight off that. And you end up performing better because you're not overanalyzing it. And that's different from striving to be better. I think analyzing something in a way of like, how can I improve this is like quality control and trying to enhance it is different than 
worrying about the outcomes if it goes wrong you're just kind of it feels like going into it like how great can I be which is yeah this is awesome I'm so glad you have another year because I know my year heaps of us did the COVID extra year so for those like especially New Zealand listeners um you get what's called a red shirt in college athletics where if you don't if for injury or for in our case COVID you cannot perform or if you can't compete in most of your season and um, you get to have another year of eligibility to compete and that's right right Anand? yeah no you did you said that perfectly yeah okay thank you it's yeah as a concept I was like what is that but um <laughs> I remember heaps of us did it because we were like I'm not done I have unfinished business is that a little bit how you feel from the past seasons like you've got unfinished business I mean absolutely absolutely my friends uh love them to death my teammates um we all like lived together last year. Um, they got all the school records that like I kind of had. So I'm like, yo, like I can't, I can't like leave that on the table. Like that's just not right. Like I have to at least get like a fair shake. So that's why part of the reason why I'm coming back. And then also like next year is the Olympic year. Really hoping I can get on the team. Um, so I think if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like I'm trying to go back with the same coaches, the same training staff. So at least when I make the the jump to professionals. Um, I'm a little bit more comfortable in like in a, this space that I'm in. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm backing you in every way, spiritually, <laughs> mentally, emotionally, that I can, because that just yeah, that would be insane. So sending you all the the energy that way. Um, thank you. I, I yeah, I'm so excited to see what the year brings for you. Is there anything you feel like we didn't touch upon um, that you want to mention? There doesn't have to be, but anything we kind of missed. Um, I don't know. I feel like you didn't talk about how great you are. That, was, <laughs> that would be, that would be the only thing I would say that we did not really hit on. Okay. And then now you're just <laughs> adding to your level of greatness. Thank you. My ego is so. <laughs> Um, When you said to comparison is a thief of joy, I would say that in the boat often to my teammates. And then at big teams, I think we meddled and I was like, Okay, sometimes it is also the giver of joy because in this instance, <laughs> this feels very good. But I I love that. And thank you. I've just been smiling this whole time. My last little sign-off question, I asked this to everyone. It's so random, but it just kind of accidentally started happening. And now I have to roll with it for every guest is... Okay. <laughs> you're like cautious. <laughs> if you had to have one meal for the rest of your life. So it's not a final meal. It's just like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It has to be the okay. same meal. What is it? Oh, and it's not in your off season, maybe. Okay. Okay. So like, I don't know if I should have straight shooter, just ask a follow-up question. You can do both. Okay. So when you say like meals, like why ever get tired of it, you know? Or is it like every single time I'm going to get like that same? You're probably going to love it every time. I think okay. somehow there's like that magic sprinkled over it. Will I like gain like a crazy amount of weight? I don't think you will. No. Okay. No, with no concern for my health. I'm going with like a cheesecake or like strawberry ice cream for sure. Strawberry ice cream? Strawberry ice cream is amazing. But if I'm actually going with like an actual meal, um, I would say sweet potatoes, steak, and broccoli. Yes. Okay. Sweet potatoes, 100%. I have to pinpoint 
strawberry ice cream is this one thing I can't get on board with. Are you I, serious? I, I thought I thought this was going great. And then no, I thought too. so too. I thought so too. What is it about strawberry ice cream? It's like literally like the best ice cream flavor they have. I don't know what I feel like maybe I just didn't grow up on it, but Americans it's one of these things, and I am stereotyped and generalizing here, but a lot of Americans I've met love strawberry ice cream. And as they should, as they should. I would just, I'm curious, maybe I'll have to do a poll. I feel like New Zealanders, we don't, unless it's like real fruit ice cream, the flavor, like how you can get like Ben and Jerry strawberry ice cream or something. I just hadn't encountered it before and it freaks me out a little bit. So what is your go-to ice cream flavor? Okay. Excellent question. In America, it's like the Moose Tracks one with all the little bits and pieces. It's got like peanut butter, pretzel, like fudge. I don't know if it's called Moose Tracks. I just... Is it Ben and Jerry's? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't think I've had that one, but uh, I might have to might have to add that to my Ben and Jerry's list now. Yes, sure. you do. For Thank sure. And then in New Zealand, there's this flavor called Hokey Pokey, which is like little bits of honeycomb but they're in tight little circles, almost like pea-sized circles of honeycomb and vanilla ice cream. And it's not in the States yet. I don't know why. And this is Ben and Jerry's too? Or is no, this, this just, is, this is that's like, just a flavor. That's, that's just, just like a, a flavor. That's yeah. a regular flavor. Like you're picking up Hokey Pokey the same way you pick up like a chocolate or a strawberry ice cream, you're saying? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't pick up strawberry. Yes. What? I, I, I have to go to New Zealand now. Like that is, I'm definitely trying. You let me know when you're there. And then I feel like this is just part one of hopefully many conversations because this like, touched the surface. But thank you so much. And I have had so much fun talking with you today. And I'm wishing you the best, like you said, in the prayers and the emotional, physical, spiritual thank you so much. <laughs> ability of the recovery. And just, I know you've got a big week next week wrapping up the internship and then back into it's September, so preseason. Are you? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Um, thank you so much for having me. It truly was a pleasure. Um, I really did not know what to expect, but this was like 10 times better than anything I could have imagined. So you are a great podcast host. Thank you for having me on. And I hope this is like part one, you know, hopefully there's a part two to like 10. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.